back in 1994, I went to the movie theater, and I watched a movie. I like going to the theater. Uh, when I was 14, I used to go to the Dollar Show here in, or in Waterford, Michigan. I go to the Dollar Show, and uh, my brother and I were pretty ghetto back in the day. We were so ghetto, we would go to the movie theater, we'd fish out a popcorn bucket out of the trash, get it refilled and eat that, which I guess is kind of nasty, but it was like $8 for a bucket of popcorn. So I thought, you know, no harm, no foul. It was before coronavirus. No one cared. Um, but on this day we went to the movies, uh, there was a movie called The Mummy coming out. And it looked like an action movie. So I went and saw it, you know, and there was action, and there was like a scary skeleton monster chasing people, and it was a good time at the theater. But there was one scene in the movie that I never forgot. There was one scene in the movie that even as a young man struck me really solid, and, and, and I never forgot the scene, never forgot it. There's a scene where the, the skeleton monster is coming for this guy, and it's going to get him. And he knows he's got, there's nowhere to run, he's in like a cave, he's, he's in a corner. And he happens to be wearing a bunch of jewelry, okay? And he's wearing a bunch of religious imagery. So he pulls up this Hindu talisman, starts praying in Sanskrit to like Vishnu. Nothing happens. He's like, oh man. So he goes and grabs like the, the Muslim talisman and prays to Allah. Nothing going. Grabs his cross, prays to Jesus. Nothing happens. Grabs the Star of David, prays in Hebrew, the Shema prayer, and the monster stops. He's like, oh man. That's the language of the slaves, because Hebrews were slaves in Egypt, and it like doesn't kill them. And I never forgot that scene because it was played for a joke. It was funny seeing the guy go through all his like different religious trinkets. But watching that scene, we realize that a lot of us treat God this way, very superstitiously. We treat God as like I'm going to have this lucky rabbit's foot, and hopefully, when I need him, I will know the right words to say. Have the right necklace on, and then he will hear me. So even that scene was played for laughs, a lot of people treat God this way. We think of God as far away, other, out there, and I'm down here, far away from him. Now Jesus comes along, and pretty quickly becomes pretty well-known in the region. Um, this is before internet. There's no viral marketing. There's no billboards. For those of you who are older, like I'm 40, but when I was a young man, I moved to the UP of Michigan. I moved up a peninsula. And in the UP, when I lived up there, we, it was like going back in time. Because I lived in this one stoplight town. And it was like, I mean, I watched movies from the 50s, and I'm like, I lived that for three years up there in the UP of Michigan. But even without internet or billboards, if something juicy happened in town, everyone knew the gossip the same day. Even with no like formal ways, the news spread. Whether it's at the, at the co-op, whether it's at the post office, at the one party store we had, people talked, you happened to so-and-so, and everyone in town knew what so-and-so did. And in Jesus' world, Apparently the word spread that this guy named Jesus was healing people and saying crazy stuff. And so it comes to this early moment of excitement when Jesus is preaching on this mountain, this hill. 
and all these guys come to different cities to listen to Jesus talk. And they're sitting on this hillside, and there's this moment called the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew, Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus' follower Matthew writes down the sermon. We have it to this day. And it's really a distillation of Christ's thoughts and his teaching. And in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, he teaches his followers how to pray, how to talk to God. Now, for us, we read these words, Our Father who art in heaven. And we've heard these words. When I was in high school, this prayer was in a Metallica song when I was in high school. Straight up. Like, this, 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 these words are out there in the pop culture. I grew up Catholic. Um, and I didn't go to Mass very often. I went like once a year. But if you were a Catholic and went to confession, you go to confession, you tell the priest guy, forgive me for I have sinned. And they say, you know what you do? I stole some money. We'll give the money back. Say three Our Fathers and two Hail Marys, and you'll be sweet. You're like, okay, thank you, and you leave. So this prayer has been around for a long time, but what happens is there's this, this principle called familiarity breeds contempt. You ever heard that? It means you see something every day and you lose, you stop seeing how good it is. In a few weeks, I'm going to be going to Arizona. I'm going to Sedona. Maybe if the world stops burning, I'll go to Sedona. But there's mountains there. I live in Michigan. I love our state. We don't got mountains here. When I go to Sedona, I bet you what's going to happen. I'm going to be driving on the highway. I'm going to see mom. I'm going to pull over, get out, and just stare at it for a little bit. Look at that mountain, man. The kids will be like, let's go, Dad. I got to go to the bathroom. I'm like, shut up, kids. Look at this mountain. You know, it's like, like I want to see this. We're going to do some hikes. It'll probably be beautiful hikes. Dude, the place we're staying, literally in the thing it said, it said, you're in a desert region, so there will be spiders, including tarantulas, scorpions, and lizards. And, and I was like, I'm not telling the kids this because I, I have enough to deal with. I have enough to contend with. But when I go there, I'm going to be blown away. I'm going I'm to sit there for hours drinking in the beauty of that place. But the people who live there don't even see those mountains anymore. They, they see them every day. It's like, i got to go around the mountain to get to the next, to seek in my comic book shop. It stinks. They, they don't care that the mountain's in the way. The familiarity of the mountain, the mountain has lost its majesty. In the same way, we have heard these words of this prayer so many times, we have lost the awe and power these words possess. So let's go ahead and we're going to deal with one single phrase of this prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. Our Father who art in heaven. Now, the first thing I want to see is this. The first truth is this. Jesus called God his Father. I've spent the last few weeks, I went through the four stories of Jesus. Matthew and John, his disciples wrote two of them. Then you have Mark writes one, and then you have Luke writes a story of Jesus. See, these four Gospels. I went to the four Gospels, and I found every single time Jesus prayed. Every time. And every time Jesus prays, he calls God the same name. Not, not Yahweh, not Jehovah, not Adonai. He calls him Father every single time. And we're like, sure he does. Why wouldn't he? Listen, in this day and age, nobody called God Father. 
The word Christ is, Christ is referring to the God of heaven in a familiar, intimate way. And that's not how you refer to someone with that kind of power. The Jewish people were so scared of God's power, they wouldn't say any name of his. They were scared of getting smoked, smitten, smited, I don't know, hurt. So, Jesus starts calling God Father, and everyone hears him do it. Everyone hears him saying, Jesus, every time he prays, call God his Father. And he's allowed to, because God is his Father. Jesus is the only begotten Son of the Father. There is a special, unique, intimate relationship between Jesus and the God of heaven. Jesus calls God his Father. Because God Almighty is his Father. My children, Nesto and little Lena, they call me father. You know why? Because they sprung forth from my loins. That's why. They, they're my kids. They belong to me. These are my children. I made them. You know, these are mine. I don't mean to go too far with that. I'm sorry. Um, but they, if, I go to a, if I go somewhere, I was, you know, I was in a play place once and played with my kids and we're going through the tubes and stuff. And this random kid that wasn't my kid longed for what we had. And that kid came over and wanted to jump in my lap with my kids and wanted me like the, wanted to be like, can you be my dad? And it's like, and it was, it's sad. I, I, and I couldn't be like, sure, buddy. Like, I, I don't know that kid. I don't want to get arrested. It's like, it's like I, I don't want, you know what I'm saying? That's like, it goes bad quick. My kids can call me father because I am their father, and Christ can call the God of heaven his father because the, the God of heaven is that close to Jesus. Jesus is intimately related to God Almighty. But Christ don't stop there. Christ invites his followers to call God father, which is kind of nuts. In the entire 39 books of the Old Covenant. The story of God and Israel, this nation trying to obey these Ten Commandments and this law, God is called Father 14 times. And every time God is called Father, He's the Father of the nation. And His fatherhood is seen as being the originator of the nation. From, the na from Him, the nation comes forth. For Jesus, the word Father it refers to intimate relationship. It's not merely I created you, it's I know you and love you. So 14 times in 39 books, Christ uses the word Father 17 times in this one sermon. I try to count how many times Christ calls God Father in the entire Bible. I lost count and I stopped. It was too many, it's too high, the number was too high. And Jesus invites us to call Jesus, to call God the Father, to call God our Father, which is horrifying. Because the Jewish mindset, God is far away. He's out there. He's great and mighty. I don't call him dad. I don't. That's disrespectful. If I'm at the president of the United States, I wouldn't, if I'm at the president, I want to be like, hey, Biden, you're my boy. I wouldn't say that. But Mr. President, it's good to meet you. Handshake, I'm out. That's what, that's what you do. I got a buddy of mine here in the city, good personal family friend. 
And he has ascended to have authority in the city. And when I see my buddy, I'm not, if I go to his office and see him here in the city, I don't go in his office in front of all his people and be like, what up, homie? I don't do that. I call him Mr. Super Guy. You know, I call him his like, title of his official authority. I show that respect. And Jesus says, listen, if you're with me, I want you. If you're with me, if you are in me, Christ says, if you are in me, you can call the God of heaven your father. Now, I said earlier that my children and no one else can call me father. That's not entirely true. There's more than one way to enter into a family. You can be born into a family, that is true. You can be born into a family. You can marry into a family. You know, you can marry somebody and become part of that family story. I am now part of the Sims clan because I married my wife. And she's part of the Stika Pacheco crew, and I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, but there's another way besides birth and marriage. My wife and I have spent the last few years of our life attempting to become foster parents with the hope that someday we'll open our home up. And let's say, and this happens in, happens in our city all the time, someone has a child in one of our hospitals and the mother might just leave the hospital, just leave and abandon the child. For a season of time here in the city of Flint, they, there was not enough foster parents, so they were taking the children in a foster care from our city and they are going all over Michigan. There was not enough foster care parents in our region to care for all the children, so they were just being sent all over the place. Literally, two years ago, we had a call from Holy Hospital, from the NICU, asking to send volunteers to come and hold babies and just hold them and speak to them so they wouldn't develop poorly because there was no one there to hold them and love them because their parents had left them, the mothers had abandoned them, and these kids, without being held and loved, their bodies wouldn't develop correctly because we need more than food and water, in case you don't know that. We need to be loved. If we had a foster kid come to our house, and if things walked a certain way, and the court said, man, the parents have left, do you want to adopt this child? And we said, yes. If you adopt a child in Michigan, you know what happens? They issue to you a brand new birth certificate. No joke. Kid's name gets your last name now. And you, the mother and the father, the name is you guys. The foster family becomes that child's real parents in the world. You adopt that child into your family. My wife and I have had, we've had guardianship of children that were not our own. And when God gave us guardianship of children that were not our own, you know what we did? We love that kid as though they were ours. We fed them the same, put them to bed the same, protected them the same, loved them the same. And the Bible says that the God of heaven adopts people into his family through Christ. That if you are in Christ, we want to listen, not everybody's in his family. Not Just being born does not mean you belong to God. You don't. Jesus told the Pharisees, you belong to your father, the devil. 
We're born to a family, and it ain't his. The only way to be adopted into God's family is through faith in Christ. That loving trust that we put in Jesus. And if we are in Christ, it says that he puts, we don't have a spirit of fear. We no longer have a spirit of fear, but we have had the spirit of adoption placed in our hearts, and we can cry out, Abba, Father. Jesus invites us to call God Father. Now, I, I, I can't go very deep into this. I'm going to say this real quick. To some of us, that's a hard thing to swallow. Because some of us didn't have that good thing with our own dads. So we hear the idea of God in fa as father, it doesn't sound good to us. We're like, man, that word father to me has a lot of baggage. Listen, the way it's supposed to work is we don't judge God's fatherhood by the failure of our earthly fathers. I'll tell you this, I didn't have a dad growing up. But I always longed for one. And the God I longed for, that hole in my soul, was shaped like him. My hope for my kids, my kids will not measure their heavenly father by the failure of their earthly father, but instead I hope to be an echo of the heavenly father's love to my children. I hope that how I love and raise them points them home. I guess I'll say this if you don't have a few, have a poor thing with your earthly father, I would say this. I'll tell you a story from down south in Tennessee. Famous preacher told this story years and years ago. Um, 1910, this happened. Uh, kids born out of wedlock in a time where that's a big deal. Nowadays, a lot of us have that. But back in the day, if you're born in a small town out of wedlock, everyone knows it and people talk, and you're kind of shunned. This kid was shunned. Kid didn't go to church because church was where the good people went. He wasn't one of the good kids, so he didn't go. And one day this kid ends up going to church because it's some kind of like candy thing. Like, come to church, get a, get a balloon. So he goes to church, get a balloon. And in Tennessee, back in the day, apparently, you were judged by your parents. People would ask the question all the time in Tennessee, who's your daddy? They asked the question, that would determine, I know who you're from by knowing who your father is. That's a weird question they ask in the South. I'm not from there. I don't know that. Is that true in Africa too? Okay, so that's that, that you're, who you belong to matters. So the preacher asked this young man, son, who's your daddy? And the kid just goes, I don't know, sir. And the preacher goes, son, I know who your daddy is. And tells him about the Lord, and he gets saved right there. And what's crazy about the story is that kid becomes like the mayor of Tennessee. It's a true story. That's like Mr. Cobb is his name. You look up online, it's crazy. Henry Cobb, something like that. Jesus says that for those, who has no, those of us who have no fathers, that God is a father to the fatherless. So if you have that hole, God is so good he can fill that. The last thing I want to say about it is this. 
Jesus invites us. He invites us to know God in not a superstitious way, but in a relational way. Our Father. When we, have to pray, when we pray to God, we can pray, Father, I need you. My daughter came home a few weeks ago. And when everyone was busy doing stuff, she came over to me and sat in my lap. And, What's up, little one? And she told me a story. She's like, Dad, I was outside, and a kid grabbed me, threw me down, and they held me down, and she was real upset by it. And she just wanted to tell me about it because she knew that I, I would listen, that I loved her. Now, I, my first reaction was to go find and fix what happened. But, I mean, I'm 40 years old, and they're like, you know, nine. Like, that's not going to go well for anybody. Um, I know what you did! Like, the kids run down the street. <laughs> I'm in my car beeping at him, throwing stuff. I don't know. It, it'll go bad. Um, <laughs> um, but in that moment of intimacy, that moment of great fear, my daughter calls me dad most of the time. She's growing up. She's getting older. Doesn't hug or kiss me much she used to, which stinks. You, when you, the kids grow up, dude, they just, it just changes. And you're like, don't grow up. But they, it's good that they grow up. It's good. But moments like that, if she still slips and still calls me, the old word, right? Daddy. It comes out sometimes. It reveals trust. It reveals love and affection. When I pray to the Lord God of heaven, sometimes my prayers are clouded, sometimes I feel so guilty and so unworthy. And when my prayers are full of self-doubt, I always go back to what Christ taught me and say, I'm like, Father, Dad, I need you. I'm not going superstitiously. I'm not going based on my own strength or power. I'm going there because I am his kid and he loves me. And the same way I would never not hold my kid on my lap as the son of the Most High, I know I can climb into His. And so I do. A warning, though. Jesus balances God's nearness with God's greatness. Jesus says, Our Father who art in heaven. So even though God is near and intimate, just know He is still great. He's still in heaven. He's still powerful and strong. If someday my children decide to usurp my authority in the home and say, I don't got to listen to you, what you going to do about it? Their daddy has been soft and sweet and nice and kind. I want to be the kind of man. That's what I want to be as a man. <laughs> we watched a movie this last week. McKean and the kids were... And the dad was trying to get the kid's attention. He, and he had that soft voice. No one listened to him. And we're watching. I'm laughing out loud. And Lena goes, that wouldn't happen to you, would it, Dad? I'm like, no, no, it wouldn't, Lena. Like, you just got to use the voice. He said, he has it. I'm like, well, you know. But um, there's a scene for the Chronicles of Narnia. There's a scene where these little kids in Narnia are looking for Aslan. They find out that Aslan, who's a picture of Christ, Aslan is a lion. And the kids are all freaked out by this. He's a lion? That doesn't sound safe at all. 
And then Mrs. Beaver says, safe. No one said he was safe, but he's good. Your dad loves you. Your father in heaven wants to know you and be close to you. But listen, he's still the great God of heaven. Don't try to con him. It ain't going to work. Respect his power. That's all I can say about that. So we'll end by saying this. If you're here and you've never, ever experienced God as Father, I would encourage you. It's time to meet Jesus. You've got to put your faith and hope in Jesus. You've got to follow Christ. It's time to stop being your own master and come under the authority of Christ. Coming to Christ is the only way to be adopted into God's family. You need to meet Jesus. And if you want to meet Jesus, after everyone leaves, I'll be hanging out here. We can sit down and talk about how to, how to do that. We can help you find your way home. If you're here and you're a Christian, you, you are Jesus' follower, and you have been feeling far away from God. You've you got to remember who you are. You are a son or daughter of the Most High God. You must embrace your adoption and remember that my Father loves me, and I love Him, and I need to be near. Come back home. And if you're a Jesus follower, I'll say this. If you're a Jesus follower, you need to respect your Father's authority and do what He says. And if you're living, if you're not doing what He says right now and you know it, you got to change. Because eventually, at my house, there's a, a belt on a wall. It has a name. It's called the spanking belt. I have never used it. Not one time I've never used spanking belt. Right, babe? Never used it. I've done a thing where you do the thing that goes, I've done that thing. That's enough. Like, that's enough. Like, it's real. It lives. I'm like, it does. Uh, but here's the deal. If the kid misbehaved, they are punished. Not out of anger or, or malice, because loving correction back on the right path. If you are his kid and you disobey him, he's going to steer you back. And if love won't bring you home, then maybe discipline will. My kids can still lie to me and I'll believe them. Especially my daughter. My daughter can lie to me to my face. I can know she's lying. And I'd be like, oh, it's okay. I guess she just, that smile gets me. She's just, she's just, <sighs> she can, I sent out the, the Christmas, our Christmas cards, but our, our, and, and uh, Kit Kat told me, she goes, you're in trouble. I'm like, shh, 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 don't tell anybody. Um, but uh, you can lie to your parents. You can lie to your parents. You can lie to your spouse. You can lie to everybody. You can't lie to your Father in heaven. If you live it in sin, get right. With that said, let's go ahead and pray together. Thank you, Lord, for the day, for all those who are at home watching just I won't say names because of HIPAA laws, but Lord, you know those we love who are currently sick and at home. As, our, as we have people who are at home with the coronavirus whose body hurts, let them come to you as a son, let them come to you as a daughter, let them cry upon your name and find comfort in your arms, O oh Lord. Those of us that are here, help us to claim, help us to embrace our position as children 
the Most High God. Thank you, Jesus, for making a way for us to become sons and daughters. Thank you for dying that we may live. Thank you for letting us call your Father, our Father. We love you, Lord. And we love you because you first loved us. In Jesus' name, we ask all these things. Amen.